G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Let's get a focus today on the nation of Israel. There it is in the Middle East, surrounded by hostile nations. And of course, the ongoing debate about things known as a two-state solution and the focus being on Israel and the Palestinians. Well, Stan Goodenough, Christian journalist and commentator, is back in Australia for a particular tour in which he's sharing a message about the Middle East which so many Christian believers are wanting to hear. Stan has a website. It's jerusalemwatchman.org. Let's talk with Stan Goodenough, get some insights about what's going on. Hello, Stan. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. Well, Stan, last time we were chatting, we were discussing New Zealand and their place on the United Nations Security Council. But let me just ask you an overview of what's happening in Israel at this time and where things are at with this debate that is ongoing about a two-state solution. Uh, Yes, Neil. It's it's in a way suddenly back on the front burner after being pushed back and and, and behind the scenes and kind of left to idle while the world has been focusing on negotiations with Iran over their nuclear program. Um, On the day that the United States signed an agreement with Iran, which Israel is obviously watching with great uh, concern at the moment of where that's going to go, on that same day, pressure unrelenting, really, as with the focus off Iran, it's uh, the spotlight swung, swung sharply back onto the two-state solution, which has been standing dead in the water uh, since negotiations broke down between Israel and the Palestinian Arabs. And the, you know, the European Union announced on that same day uh, that uh, they were going to work to, re- to kickstart the negotiations and to get the so-called peace process back on track uh, and push once again towards a two-state solution. At the same time, Russia uh, had its foreign minister, Lavrov, meet with the Hamas leadership. Uh, the Hamas, who are not really a part of the negotiating process, were actually invited to speak to the Russians, who let them know, let the Hamas leaders know that, that Russia is going to also put its shoulder to the wheel of this stalled car and try and re- get it moving once again, and offered uh, some very promising rewards to the Palestinian side, uh, if they should join, uh, get back involved with the negotiations, uh, something that would be detrimental, of course, to Israel's security from Israel's point of view. So suddenly the, light, the uh, focus is back on the two-state solution. And uh, for many Jews, of course, in ha- the very word solution makes the whole thing sound a little bit ominous, uh, as always solutions seem to have to be bought uh, to sort out issues that involve Jews in the negative light on one side. So there's a lot of there's a lot of consternation about where this is going and a 25-year record of a peace process that brings anything but peace to Israel. Stan, when we talk about nations around the world, uh, those that support Israel and those that 
in some sense, wouldn't say they don't support Israel, but their attention is turned to the Palestinians. When you use the word concessions, uh, there's call for concessions on each side, but concessions really can mean uh, continued acts of aggression. Yes, um, you say that there's calls for concessions on both sides, but um, I have to I have to be completely objectively honest in this and say that covering this process since Madrid uh, in 1991 and through the Oslo agreements and, and all the way down past uh, through the roadmap, as it was then called, to Annapolis in the United States and into the era of the two-state solution, which begins around about 2002, 2003, all the way along, the concessions that are called for, at least publicly, are only those that are made on Israel. Israel has to concede territory. Israel has to take risks for peace. Israel is the one that has to show and prove in some way or another that it is serious about the peace process. The Prime Minister of Israel is, is openly um, challenged as to the, uh, the genuineness of his pursuit of peace, and uh, the pressure is always one-sided. I don't remember um, once in all these years, I may be wrong, but I don't remember once, hearing an American Secretary of State telling the Palestinian Arab side, you need to make some kind of concessions. You need to, be, to, to, um, to, to reposition yourself on the issue of the, of the right of return, which, of course, for Israel, the return of the descendants of Palestinian refugees that would swamp Israel and render the Jewish state um, null and void, or, or any concessions about the claim for the land, claims to the land. Um, when any idea is floated, that Israel would retain even small percentages of the land in question because there are settlement blocks there. Uh, on the on the Palestinian Arab side, there is this rejection and expressed outrage. And they're never told, well, because you're not willing to bend on your side, there's no progress on the peace process. It's always Israel that's told because you're allowing the continued building of settlements or you're allowing this or that to still continue to happen, that the peace process is stalled. So Israel has been shown by, and, and most nations, accuse Israel or charge Israel of being the one responsible for the lack of progress on the the process. Most nations are now standing in that position. Stan, have you been surprised or are typical Israelis surprised the way that nations in some sense and in some respects here are turning their attention away from Israel's support and to these Palestinians? I would say, Neil, that, um, that mostly in Israel... It's a general, it's a general sense, but I think it's, it's fairly uh, substanti- substantiable. Is most most people in Israel they they feel that the last the la- the vast majority of the international nation of the international community stands opposed to them and has stood opposed to them and has taken a side um, in opposition to their security interests vis-à-vis the peace process uh, for quite some time. Where I think there is a real concern, and and, and in some areas it's expressed almost panicky is that the relationship between the administration in the United States and Israel uh, is, it appears to be crumbling. And um, mainly it's, it's, it revolves around the Iranian agreement uh, with the Barack Obama administration's uh, position on that, which, which Obama and his officials insist will prevent the Iranians from acquiring a nuclear weapon and will definitely stop uh, uh, the possibility of a war and the Israeli side absolutely on the opposite page, saying that this agreement will ensure that the Iranians get their nuclear weapon and will definitely lead to a war. And it's that divided, it's that clear, the division between the two sides, 
Uh, on Israel's side, of course, this is the position of the Prime Minister of Israel, and he's appealed to Congress once and to the world a couple of times, and he will appeal to the world again in, in next month at the General Assembly of the United Nations. Um, he's not uh, attacking the President of the United States. He's simply attacking the, uh, the agreement itself. But across the ocean in the other direction, there are coming very strong uh, personal attacks on the Prime Minister, and those attacks are generating um, negative pressure on, on, on Netanyahu from his own people who are so afraid of that that relationship is being endangered. Israel's most valued, most treasured um, asset in its foreign policy is its relationship with the United States. So when, when it comes to that potential breakdown, yes, great concern in Israel right now. I'm very, very worried about where that could be going. Well, Stan, you've taken some time to meet with some of our legislators here in Australia. I'm interested in your thoughts on Australia and support for Israel and where Australia stands on the idea of a two-state solution. We'll get your thoughts on that in just a short while. Stan Goodenough, Christian journalist and commentator. His website is jerusalemwatchman.org. You can find out where Stan is speaking over the next week when you go on to that website and check those tour dates and venues. Stan, we'll come back and we'll talk about Australia and our positioning when it comes to this uh, Israeli and the possibility of a two-state solution there. We'll talk some more in just a short while. Well, we're talking about Israel and the way that the debate over a two-state solution continues to come back to the agenda. Stan Goodenough, Christian journalist and commentator, his website is called JerusalemWatchman.org. In Australia, speaking to audiences just ahead of travelling to New Zealand that holds a specific place on the United Nations Security Council right now. Stan Goodenough, interested in your thoughts on... First of all, Australia and whether Australia is standing firm as a friend to Israel. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, both the uh, conservative side of politics and the Labour side of politics here in Australia? Neil, thank you for the question. When, when I made my first trip out here last November, uh, my focus was sharply on Australia, which at that point was, on, was actually held the, held the rotating presidency of the Security Council and was coming to the end of its two-year term, which, were, which would end at the end of December last year. And there were two issues that were on my heart. And the, the reason that I, that I had come here was that unlike most of the world's nations, Australia's government, the Liberal, Liberal Party government of Tony Abbott, had positioned itself with regard to the two-state solution uh, in a neutral position. It didn't adopt a pro-Israel position de facto but in, or, 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 or up front, but in fact, by taking a position where it refused to use the language of Israel's enemies, of the Palestinian side to the conflict, and by refusing to call territory occupied, by refusing to see that Jewish settlements uh, were against international law, because in fact, as your foreign minister, Julie Bishop, stated emphatically and accurately, there is no international law against Jewish settlements in Judea and Samaria. Um, the Australian government had positioned itself morally towards Israel, and Israel responded very positively to that in a world in which barely a handful of other nations have had the courage to, to take that position. Um, but there was pressure that was going to mount on your country to, to go the way of all flesh, as it were, to go the way of the, of the European Union at that point, as Sweden first and then 
a whole slew of parliaments in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, decided that they would recognize the state of Palestine unilaterally without any agreement being reached between the, the Jews and Arabs in the land. And uh, that, that was undermining the peace process and giving the one side to the conflict the, the belief that they would get what they wanted without having to stop violence, etc. Uh, and this was of grave concern to Israel. So when, when Australia took that position that it did, and, and I was concerned that pressure would begin to build on your country to change its stance, um, I came to encourage Christians in Australia to pray, first of all, and to stand, first of all, on the Bible and God's promises concerning the land of Israel, but then also to appeal to their government to first commend uh, the Abbott administration for the position it had adopted, which it took courage, and, and it earned a backlash of, of, of rage from the Arab world and the threats of boycotts against Australia. But to encourage, I encourage Christians to encourage their government to stay the course to hold the line and not to give in. And when that insidious um, suggestion would come forward here that Australia would unilaterally recognize Palestine, that they would withstand that. That was the one thing. The other thing was that in the United Nations Security Council itself, the Arab side was wanting to bring forward a resolution that would see the Jews evicted from Palestine, what they called Palestine, Judea and Samaria, in the next uh, two and a half, three years. And I felt it was imperative that that resolution be brought while Australia sat on the Security Council. And the prayer was that Australia would withstand that. And indeed, both of these, both of these goals, in a sense, were met at that point. Uh, the resolution was brought to the federal parliament. Um, a motion was passed to recognize Palestine unilaterally. Debate began, but it ceased, and it hasn't yet been resumed. And in the interim... A petition signed by thousands of Christians has gone to the parliament uh, to encourage the government to stand strong and to withstand that pressure. Back in the, over in the United Nations, the resolution was brought on the very last day of the, of, of the, of the year, on the last day of Australia's term as a non-permanent member, and Australia did vote against it. And that vote that Australia brought was the vote that made the, everything possible that, for what would follow. It withheld the resolution from being pushed forward in the United Nations. It prevented the United States from using its veto, and that enabled the Prime Minister of Israel to go to Congress later on without pressure from the White House, which was brought to bear, but couldn't be applied, really, uh, to warn the world about the nuclear deal So with Iran. So that was a very big deal at that time. So, Stan, you're in Australia now, and something of a stepping stone, because you're heading to New Zealand, but you're asking Australians to pray for our New Zealand neighbours uh, in their role as, uh, as you say, the rotating presidency of the United Nations Security Council. How important is it for Aussies to be prayerful about our New Zealand neighbours and how they might be uh, either swayed one way or the other on this whole issue? The New Zealand government under Prime Minister John Key does not uh, position itself along uh, in the same way that Australia does and has already indicated that it will go a different road from Australia and it will try to itself uh, bring pressure to bear on Israel to move ahead in that direction. And so um, while when I was over here last time, I encouraged Christians in New Zealand to pray for Australia and for Prime Minister Abbott now and for his government. Now I'm asking Australian Christians to give me um, a message, if you like, to take to the Christians in New Zealand that Australia, uh, Australian believers would now stand with Christians in New Zealand uh, and pray that, that that country would also be morally correctly positioned regarding Israel. It all relates, of course, from our Christian point of view to the fact that God has said that he has 
that he will deal with nations in accordance with how they deal with Israel. And uh, there's some seriously strong warnings in the Bible about that. So what I would like to encourage New Zealand Christians with at this time is, uh, is, is, is pledges of prayer from Australian Christians that perhaps in the spirit of, Neil, your famous Anzac, where the Australian and New Zealand soldiers worked together to, to uh, liberate Beersheba nearly 100 years ago, uh, opening up the way for the liberation of Jerusalem and the return eventually of the land to the Jewish people. Perhaps in that spirit of, 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 of cooperation and camaraderie that the Christians of New Zealand and Australia could stand together and pray for both of their countries to be in a good position regarding Israel as the international antagonism towards Israel grows and pressure on Israel grows to take risks with its security. Well, Stan, good enough. You're in Australia for around about the next week or so and a whole bunch of engagements that you're speaking at. Uh, I'll point people to the JerusalemWatchman.org website where people can get uh, some dates and venues and times uh, to be able to hear the message that you're bringing to Australians. Stan, good enough. Christian journalist and commentator, that website is jerusalemwatchman.org. Stan, always good getting your insights. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and God bless you. Thank you so much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.